0: Red Business with Ibeck. Building a sustainable, competitive future in Cork business. Hi there and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode, fancy going back to college? Well, MTU wants to help. And why businesses need to take sustainability more seriously but first if you have resolved to take in more culture and broaden your horizons in 2022 our next guest venue should be the top of your list the fantastic attraction that is the Crawford Art Gallery and this week it's opening a very special exhibition that invites every visitor to get involved director of the gallery is Mary McCarthy she's with me now Mary you're welcome to Red Business welcome back Thank you very much, nice to be with you today. Uh, it's fantastic that you're open, you, you've taken up all those black and yellow signs and people are able to do what they want in the gallery, obviously not losing all sense of common sense, but uh, you are back open fully. We are, we're back open seven days a week and it's an absolute
1: delight. Now we were open pretty much throughout, like the museums were open uh, consistently through the winter, but like, I think what's amazing at the moment is visitors can come back in We don't have to delay them too much because we're not doing contact tracing we're still welcoming them at the door where uh, indoor masks are still um, necessary in galleries in this kind of public space but it means that the visitor can have their own journey around the gallery and they're not having to follow a kind of a trail that we were obliged during the COVID restrictions to keep them safe and our restaurant's back fully open as well so we're delighted
0: and of course the thing is when people were milling around and they are in and out because the great thing about the Crawford is you don't there's no cover charge on the door you don't have to stump yes. up money coming in um, But things like the shop, people weren't lingering in the shop. They weren't perhaps going to the cafe as much because the restrictions were there. And they're very important revenue streams for you guys.
1: They are. I have to say the public have been really generous with us. Um, Number one, they came in their droves right throughout the winter from last exhibitions and you know what we really noticed? The public were very conscious of that lack of income and they were really asking us could they donate and we've new tap machines because we've gone cashless if you want to and people were very, very generous and indeed the cafe has remained very busy because we've that outdoor tent which just gives people another option. But certainly I think what's been really interesting during COVID, I think people you know, gravitated to culture, to places of, um, I suppose, real tangible items. Like you can come into the Crawford, you can stand in front of something. We don't encourage you to touch them, but you can stand in front of things. And actually you can just have a moment that's also quite quiet and reflective while also enjoying the kind of joys of the city. And I suppose we have seen as well, to be fair to Cork City Council and all the businesses, a real, I think, a bit of a re-emergence of Cork as a powerful, you know, European city as a place where you can sit and dine, have culture, meet artists, uh, walk around, have great food experiences.
0: Yeah. And imagine, Mary, if somebody pitched the idea of a tent outside the Chattah City to drink a cup of tea uh, three years ago, you'd have probably said, sure, that'll never work because nobody sits outside in Ireland. Yeah. There is a bit of a cultural shift, Because if we
1: remember, like, the smoking ban was the other thing that pushed us out. Like, some of these major moments in history are things that really, I suppose, progress us as a sort of uh,
0: civilization. And the thing is, we are kind of outdoor dogs now, aren't we? We we don't mind sitting outside. And that opens up new opportunities from an artistic perspective as well, doesn't it?
1: absolutely like in you know we're in the midst of planning our big kind of capital redevelopment here and looking at the Emmet square and the potential of our outdoor garden are a huge part of that i think you know i think we've all gotten comfortable with outdoor we've bought the puffer jackets we've bought the wraps i think a lot of us feel very comfortable now being outdoors uh, and actually when we look at it the weather is not as bad as we think it is no. that's, the, that's the thing as well
0: we, we we kind of talk it down all right now uh, the weather now tell us a little bit about saturation this is this is the big exhibition that's opening right now
1: yeah, I suppose, like, um, you know, we plan our exhibitions about a year and a half, two years in advance. And we thought coming out of the Rembrandt project, we wanted to give the audiences a new experiences. So our curator Dawn Williams and William Laffin, a curator uh, who's Irish but based in London, we thought we'd look at photography. And particularly we're interested in the photography of the everyday. So, you know, photography of ordinary kind of experiences and things. A lot of the photography was made by the artist during lockdown. So in the case of some of the works, it's uh, photographs of the same image every day in their house. But a very powerful installation. Looking at ordinary subject matter, it's really colourful. And uh, through a fantastic partnership with Pat McDonald Paints, when the visitors come in, you know, it is a really uplifting Powerful experience, not only the artworks and the soundtrack that goes with the exhibition, but the galleries are completely transformed by colour. It literally is saturated in multiple colours. I think certainly it's the first time this has been seen in a gallery in Ireland and indeed in Cork and internationally it would be kind of up there with a major installation. Mm.
0: And, and the, the thing about it, Pat McDonald is such a, a brilliant ba- brand. Uh, if I was to call myself an artist, I could say I mostly do it with Pat McDonald's products, right? And that, that would be just in my own house. But one thing that's very obvious when you walk into their showroom is we are far more ambitious now, aren't we, with colour. we are We are embracing colour and I think that that comes through when people come into a gallery, they need to see vibrant colours, they need to see life.
1: Absolutely, like historically and even in Crawford galleries you know, the walls were white or else they were that kind of muted, you know almost like institutional kind of orange, you know, beige and a kind of a red. We were very much the Victorian colours, you know, that it was art coming out of the grand house you know, so it was repositioned in those colours. Crawford Art Gallery I suppose in recent years and very much from a, an original partnership with Pat MacDonald paints
0: around the Canova room, the sculpture room, you know, that room when you come into the left, the fantastic mm, Wasn't that the thing? You, you had to kind of chis- was, you had to chisel bits off them, didn't you? Because there was a bit of damage done <laughs> in, took, in a previous century. We took off some fig leaves. Uh, yes. We took off some fig leaves that were placed
1: there after they arrived in Cork because we were modest at that time. But we decided to really up the ante with that room and through a fantastic partnership with Pat MacDonald's, we chose that blue, we now call it Canova blue, you know, it's this incredible blue colour. And it really is that colour behind the artworks which gives the artworks a new life. And I suppose in the art world, we're always looking at colour. But I think, you know, as as people, myself and you and everybody who's listening, like we use colour and smell as real evocative memories. Like when you think of photography or chi- your childhood, You know, I kind of naively think of long summers and kind of yellow tones and, you know, that kind of sepia, that kind of nostalgia, actually, that we have for the past. So colour is a very, very powerful motivator. And I know, you know, I would say very often if I go to exhibitions, if you're going to a lot of them together, very often I might remember the colour of the room. Uh, I might remember the smell of the place. I might, you know, we colour is a very strong mm. takeaway and we're getting that feedback huge amount from our sculpture room. People have seen them in new ways because of the partnership with Pat McDonald's and they're seeing they're seeing the artwork afresh with this fantastic backdrop. yeah. And also, actually, something else is people love taking photographs of themselves with colour on the walls. It just makes everything look better.
0: Well, you see, we've, we've become more attuned to taking photographs. It's not like you, you have to wait six weeks for the photo to come back from the chemist anymore. You're, you're getting instant gratification, which is probably honing our eye a little bit more. Mary, uh, you, it's it's a brilliant partnership with with a commercial partner. Um, It's mm. not that long ago that we were talking about, you know, difficulties in the sector. Anybody funding yeah. art I, I know the economy is doing well right now, but it's not a bad time to be in the arts space because there are people willing to invest and, and, and people, more importantly, are willing to support it. You've got feet, footfall coming through that front door.
1: Yeah. I suppose what's amazing is like there's been a, a seismic change in the last five to ten years. First of all, politically, culture has been seen by the government now and by the major parties as being a motivator of change, as being really important to people's well-being, as being something you know, a hundred years on from the emergence of the state that's really important to our identity and really what's driven that political interest is the public's interest. You know, the public are incredibly generous, incredibly supportive, incredibly well-informed and we see a younger generation coming through who really, they, they expect this level of experience in the city that they live in or in the city that they work in or the city that they're visiting. We're really heartened by and we never take it for granted by the amount of people who invest their time with us because it is an investment of time you're coming to us into the Crawford We're very fortunate in our position downtown, like we really are, you know, it's not a big step out of your journey, whether it's your work journey or your shopping journey or your restaurant journey to come into us. And as you said, it's free. So that barrier is taken away. Um, And certainly then the business partnership, we do find, you know, through the partnerships with the Chamber, at the Business Association and others, you know, businesses are astute. They're looking at where the audience is going. And I suppose a partnership, with Pat McDonald was really interesting for us because again, they're a cork based company with a national brand. Like they're very strong nationally, but it was very much their curiosity about us. Um, I suppose they took us seriously. They were very clear about that, you know, what we can do for them. But they weren't pushing any of their own branding or objectives. They could see a real synergy. And I suppose, as well as their financial support and the material support, the actual paint, what we really got from them was Mm. that spirit, I suppose, of collaboration, but a huge amount of expertise. They completely advised us.
0: And lots of other businesses out there could do exactly the same and they should be making a beeline for you. Mary, I can't wait to get into C-Saturation over the course of the next couple of weeks. Good luck to you. And to everyone else involved there and uh, fingers crossed you'll have a record year in 2022 Mary McCarthy Director of the Crawford Art Gallery thanks so much for joining us on Red Business Thank you so much
1: Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.
0: Now, next week, we'll see the launch of a new educational programme in Cork. The MTU Business Academy is designed to be an accessible hub, working with a range of profession-related part-time programmes at Munster Technological University. And the manager of the new Business Academy is Pat Colhan. Pat, how are you? I'm great, Jonathan. How are you yourself? I'm very well. Uh, MTU, or CIT as it used to be known, had a great background in nurturing and supporting businesses, and this seems to be the, the natural progression for that.
2: Absolutely. Like you said, MTU Business Academy, it's a new hub within the new university, supporting and promoting a range of professional and executive part-time programmes. The Academy collaborates internally and externally to showcase best practice and to identify priorities and things like customized learning, CPD, research and consultancy needs, and to drive commercial engagement. And um, the Business Academy, I suppose, aims to give practical expression, even though it might sound a bit fluffy, but uh, it's something we take seriously. Seriously, it seems to it it, it, um, it aims to give practical expression to MTU's values by being kind of inclusive, inclusive, engaging, dynamic, and bold. That the big one there for me, Jonathan, is inclusive. It's the standout one because, you know, as a part-time lecturer before I took on this role in, in, in CIT, as it was at the time, uh, I found that the culture there very, very caring. And a uh, proponent of that is our president, Maggie Cusack. Her passion for equality, diversity and inclusion is infectious. And you can see uh, that uh, vision taking hold right across the university, particularly in the, in the Business Academy. I suppose yeah. in a nutshell, what we're trying to do is to increase visibility and accessibility for either emerging or established professionals and executives to our range of part-time programmes.
0: Now, there's a lot of programmes out there. And look, the fact of this now a university, it's not like all of a sudden it's gotten good because there was great courses and great ability within the lecturers uh, uh, in CIT. But uh, do you think now that there's going to be more of an appeal to people who are in the business community to come back and avail of the resources that are there and take these courses on?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, like you said, the the School of Business in CIT and in IT Charlie, had a very, very long and strong tradition, and still do um, as part of an amalgamated new university. Um, I, I think a, a big issue, I suppose, Jonathan, is for busy parents and people, not exclusively middle-aged people, but people in that general cohort of society. A lot of it is around not knowing that they can upskill, not knowing where they can access the right program, be it a certificate for a few weeks or right up to master's level, uh, like our MBA program and, and even part-time PhDs that, that uh, run through the run through the School of Business. I think there's huge scope um, with the shifts in society around hybrid working, like myself moving back from Dublin, people moving back from overseas. You see the house prices are, are going up. There's a lot of professionals and executives and just ordinary people know that can work within the, the, the Greater Cork and Southwest region. And you know, gone are the days, I suppose, Jonathan, of um, you finish, you're leaving, search, you finish your degree, and that's your learning done. And um, with yeah. the shift in technology, etc., it's really a question of applied lifelong learning, something that both CIT and IT really have a robust tradition in, and um, can only get better with the new business academy. There's a
0: phrase I don't like, continuous professional development. Uh, It it crept into the business lexicon and it sounds like you have to keep skills up otherwise you become (laughs) useless, right? And that's why I don't like it. And I'm I'm speaking as a person who's on my fourth career at this point. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are so many things you could do that might actually indulge your passion. That might actually be the direction that you wanted to take at 18, but you couldn't. But there's nothing stopping you doing it when you're 35 or you're 45 or you're 65. And is that is that what the academy is trying to capture?
2: Absolutely. I mean, look, there's kind of two there's two main strands. There's people that want to advance within their chosen career path. And then there's people that want to, look you know, look for a, a, a change in career as well you know and uh, a lot of the a lot of jobs now are moving either partly online or fully online and you know there's a there's a a pile of government funded springboard programs out there at the moment um across anything from marketing to finance to i, 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 in I it related stuff that uh people can do you know and, and 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 a lot of these programs are actually either fully or 90% funded for for eligible students so yeah look there there's any range of things um that uh, the business academy can offer to as i said people who want to advance within their own chosen career or who who want to change career and um, from anything from a few a course for a few weeks to even a few years long so yeah there's a, there's a pile of stuff we can so, we can help people with
0: are, are, are you a kind of a matchmaker then is that is that your role here pat Is you're you're a matchmaker for people who want to connect with the right course
2: yeah that's it ex- exactly um you know the, the 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 owners of the course the deliverers of the course are the Schools of business and the departments, and and uh, we we're basically um, a, a shop window. We're trying to increase the the visibility. Um, working with the marketing department, of course, um, in the university, we're trying to increase the visibility and accessibility. Like that's the thing about about MTU. It's there's there's a really strong caring culture that is very very genuine. Um, it's something that attracted me to the role. Um, and and and, and I find that people really look out for each other and it's really student-centered and it's easy to talk about that you can put out statistics and different things but like it take it's a different story to have the courage and kind of commitment to live that and that's what i found and a great example is the respect and admiration um people have for the likes of john myler who runs the 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 um and um uh, the the nba program they 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 absolutely hold him in, in such high regard and angela and the other lecturers on the program as well and and, and, and there's just that real caring culture is the really term that okay. comes to mind and that's something you might get you know in, in, in a lot of other uh, programs and a lot of other institutions particularly and it, the increase in ones from maybe overseas in some cases you
0: know? So tell me how people can find out I mean you're probably going to have people listening to this now who, who might go well that's what I'm looking for I just need someone to talk to and I want to do this and there's going to be a course there that suits you no matter what direction you want to take your career how can they find out more about the MTU Business Academy?
2: Yeah, so it's mtubusinessacademy.ie is our new website. We have um we have a launch event coming up as well. If I can get it, yeah, that's a on February in. the fourth, isn't it? Yeah, February fourth. Um, there's a, a live Zoom webinar, inspiring leaders of tomorrow. Um, we'll have a strong guest panel there. Maggie Cusack will launch the academy. Our president, Ann O'Leary of Vodafone, Bob Savage, Dell Technologies, and Paula Cogan of um Cognate Health, the all CEOs, and they are um talking about how to develop yourself uh, in your chosen career, or if you want to change your career, how what they're doing to develop Um, leaders. It's free. It's it's a public event. There's a huge up. We only released the, the the tweet on it on um, Wednesday. Um, but there's, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people signed up already, even internationally, which I'm quite, you know, pleasantly surprised about. So, um, so yeah, yeah, we'd love people to get more of a sense of what we're, what we're doing and where we're going. And, uh, and and yes, you're all welcome along on on February fourth, eleven to twelve um, p.m. All the details, mtubusinessacademy.ie. Business Academy dot
0: ie. Pat Culhan, uh, manager of the new business academy. Thanks so much for talking to us, Pat. Thanks a million, Jonathan. Take care.
1: Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.
0: Now, if you were listening to last week's podcast, you'd have heard Paul Kelly from IBEC giving us a a decent insight into the importance of sustainability in the food and drink sector. This week, we thought we'd zoom out a little to the whole area of sustainability and how it permeates every single business in Ireland right now and how it is becoming the top priority and will be the top priority for enterprise in the future. Dr Neil Walker is the head of IBEX Infrastructure, Energy and Environment Policy Team. He's with me now. Neil, you're very welcome to Red Business. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Uh, Let's start with some good news. There's lots of businesses out there right now in Cork who are setting a good example when it comes to sustainability.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, My colleague Paul outlined the progress in corporate sustainability mainly in the agri-tech and food and drink sectors that he looks after, but I see a much wider trend economy-wide across the region. Uh, Just take a few examples for indigenous companies. You've got Gas Networks Island, who've long been based in the city. They've been working to promote the transition away from dirtier fuels like coal and oil towards natural gas. It's a transition towards fully renewable fuels like biomethane. They have a vision for 2050 of a fully carbon neutral gas network delivering possibly renewable hydrogen as well as biomethane. In the oil sector you've got Irving, previously Phillips down in Whitegate, they've been working on the development and commercializing plant-based alternatives to diesel, you know, plant oil that can that can uh, replace the fossil diesel. Vital if we're ever going to decarbonize the heavy goods vehicles fleet that we need to transport materials and goods to our ports, the airports, businesses. And outside business in academia, you've got UCC on an award-winning green campus, and it's home to Mare uh, and the Tyndall Institute, uh, both world-class environmental research clusters. And you've got dozens and dozens of small and medium-sized businesses getting in on the message as well, particularly in the retail sector and, and the experience economy, which is hotels, leisure, wildlife parks, heritage assets, you name it. And not to forget the multinationals. In fact, it's difficult to know where to start. There's 170, I think, FDI firms in the region, nearly 40,000 staff working for them across ICT. Pharma and biopharma is huge. MedTech, financial services, you've got the likes of Apple, Stryker, Dell EMC, Johnson & Johnson, Lilly, Pfizer, they're all world-leading companies. And for them, the ESG agenda, that's uh, short for Environmental, Social and Governance, it's being led from the top from the board in most cases and it's embedded in their corporate sustainability strategies so it's not just in their own operations but they're looking upstream and downstream in their supply chain. And that creates a trickle-down effect for some of the more local businesses that deal with them. Mm,
0: Of course, and there are three little letters that people are going to have to get very familiar with, ESG. The areas that are feeling the impact of the drive for sustainability, they seem to be multiplying, though. And businesses need to be aware of, of what they need to comply with. Is there legislation or requirements that... Business owners should be looking out for in the months ahead and the years ahead to make sure that they don't lose out on business because they're missing out on some part of sustainability.
3: That's absolutely right, Jonathan. I I, I would focus mainly on the E of the ESG, that's my area, but I would emphasize that IBEC is equally, if not even more, active in the S uh, and the G aspects that's the social and the governance. The biggest environmental challenge facing the world, of course, is climate change. I personally uh, attended last November's COP26 summit in Glasgow, and there is an IBEC podcast series available to download. The European Union, which is the negotiator on behalf of the member states, seeks to you know, take a leading you know by example. But the Irish government's new climate action plan is arguably even greater in ambition for 2030 and 2050 than what the EU requires. You could say that we're making up for lost time. Now, the Irish government's currently thinking about how to allocate the decarbonisation effort across the sectors of the economy, which would include agriculture, which is huge uh, around the court region, industry, transport and buildings. So businesses who obviously not only have operations but also are located in buildings need to get ready for this. I've talked about climate, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff uh, relevant to environmental protection. You've got air quality, NOx and PM2.5 particulates from the road transport is a major killer. kills 300,000 people a year across Europe, 1,500 a year in Ireland from respiratory diseases. IBEX members in the court region have obviously wanted to support the metropolitan area transport strategy, which includes bus connects, the light rail investment. It's a no-brainer given the, the rapid growth in population and employment that's envisaged in the region in the National Development Plan. And also you've got water quality, and that covers rivers, lakes, estuaries, coastal waters. There's a big problem with nitrate and phosphate pollution um, across the whole of the southeast of the, of the country. And it's particularly important for the farms and businesses located around Cork Harbour, which is the largest natural harbour in Europe. A huge biodiverse habitat. Legislatively, the government is working on a new river basin management plan. It has to under the EU's Water Framework Directive and an expansion of marine protected areas around the coast, 15-fold increase. And that's going to impact not just on fisheries, on aquaculture, but also leisure and tourism, not to mention the multi-billion euro offshore wind energy programme that we expect will roll out around the coast, including the south and the west coasts over the coming decades. And last but not least, you've got the circular economy transition, again promoted and inspired by the European Union, but it's being driven locally by Irish legislation and an Irish circular economy action plan. The principles simple. Keep products value and in use for as long as you can make sure that the, what it's made from is used from secondary raw materials, that it can be taken to bits on, on recycled at the end of it, that you don't have any toxic ingredients that make that difficult. It's integral to resource efficiency and increasingly will drive competitiveness. You're already seeing it in the retail sector with legislation on returning um, packaging, returning bottles and stuff, but it's gonna be a lot more widespread. And lastly, sorry for a long answer to a short (laughs) question, there are very onerous corporate sustainability reporting obligations that are going to be imposed on hundreds of companies around Cork over the next few years. And the firms that prepare for that now can turn it to their advantage. Okay. Um,
0: IBEC is there uh, to support businesses as they do this, as we know. Briefly, what is your team doing to help IBEC members when it comes to sustainability?
3: Well, we help in a variety of ways and it depends on the needs of each individual member. I work in the policy division. So my colleagues in the infrastructure team, which is part of that, undertake lobbying advocacy, if you like, and expert advice on topics like clean energy, climate action, water and wastewater, circular economy, regulatory licensing, a lot of dealings with the EPA, as well as terrestrial and marine planning. But there are other teams within my division that we work closely with. They're experts in regional development, education skills, trade, economics, diversity, inclusion, equality. And we complement the efforts of around 40 IBEC-affiliated trade associations. And one of the ways we seek to draw all these diverse sustainability activities together and make them coherent, is through organizational-wide campaigns. We've been running one called Better Lives, Better Business for years. That's about quality of life. And more recently, we launched the Model of Sustainable Substance. You can find more about those on our website just by clicking. Um, and if, when you consider the advice we also provide from the Employer Relations Team and the IBEC Knowledge Center, it's a very full menu. And I would describe the experience of membership as a all-you-can-eat.
0: Yes, and none of us ever turned out an all-you-can-eat buffet, uh, no matter what the topic, uh, are, are indeed the subject of the menu. What are the things that you bring in your role? Uh, you, you have seen a lot over the course of your career. You've seen the rise of sustainability, if I could put it that way. And, and in your opinion, we're heading in the right direction, do you think, if this is to become that focal point for Irish business?
3: I think we've learned a lot in recent years. I mean, I started work 40 years ago as a chemical engineer and I started working in the oil industry all as part of a technical team. But, you know, I had no qualms in those days. But after a spell at London Business School and in management consulting, and then I, I went back and I worked in the engineering and process industries, the last one being the old Irish Fertiliser Industries, IFI. They had a big ammonia plant down in Merino Point, shut down in 2002. That was the biggest greenhouse gas emitter in the country. It's as big as a power station in terms of greenhouse emissions. Um, It it shut down not because of carbon taxes, but simply the rising cost of natural gas, which actually makes me particularly aware that many companies nowadays around Cork must be facing unprecedented cost pressures, given that the price of gas today is about five times higher than it was back then. But I mean, I've also worked for the Commission for Regulation of Utilities on energy policy issues, regulatory issues, Uh, I did a doctorate in climate policy at UCD. I set up the energy modeling unit for the Sustainable Energy Authority. So it's quite a mixed bag. But I'm 12 years in IBEC now. I'm pretty settled. It's a very dynamic organization. And the job continually evolves. Uh, So I I never get bored. (laughs) But the overarching mission is to shape sustainable business conditions, which means that all of these wacky earlier experiences can be put to good use.
0: All right. Well, Neil, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Dr. Neil Walker, Head of IBEX Infrastructure, Energy and Environment Policy Team. Thanks so much for joining us, Neil. You're very welcome. And that is it from this episode of Red Business. Don't forget Red Business in Focus. Our new video series is also up on redfm.ie. Kira McDonough produced again this week, and we'll catch you on the next one.
1: Get the Red Business podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.